Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Speck. Hello. Do you realize we've been saying that for eight years now? Nope. 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 This Saturday is eight years since our very first yeah, episode. Yeah, but I sampled different sign-ons like it was... Uh, changing your socks. I tried tried a few different things for the first dozen or so episodes. I think... Do you know I've been been saying this for eight years now? Yes. (laughs) Yes. And then you came up with the yellow. Yeah. And uh, I think originally we... And I never did it, but it's like we joked. I said, yeah, I'm Sean Roland. I'm Derek and I'm not wearing pants. (laughs) And I'm still not wearing pants. Eight years later, we record pantless. Lots happened in eight years. Yep, yep. If we switch to YouTube, uh, we, I'll have to wear pants. Why? I guess the table will cover. The table will be in the way. There it's not go. like we're putting the... Or maybe we do the YouTube below the table so you can't see the top half of us. There you go. Right? You yeah. just see legs moving just for an hear, hour. You just hear the voice, the mumbling above the table. The mumbling above the table. That's a new YouTube thing. <laughs> what are they saying? What, what, why is it just their legs? <laughs> yeah, that'll work. <laughs> Derek's got Harriet. No, wait. Those aren't Derek. Derek shaves his legs. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, eight years. Eight years now. February 17th is eight years since our very first yep. episode. And so tonight is 417? Yep. Hmm. It's a lot yep. of beers. Yes, yes, yeah. And we've yep. only missed one day, one episode, one, and we made it, up, made it up by having two episodes a couple weeks later. Yes, yeah. 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 Wow. Done, done good. It's uh, I, like, I, I'm curious what people think of the whole thing. Like, I, I suppose, like, a lot of people have come and gone. We have new listeners. Like, every time we talk to somebody about it at a show or something, yeah, I just trying to catch up. Or, or you bump into people who used to listen to it. Ah, I haven't had time anymore. And mm-hmm. so it's, uh, it's one of those things. It's, uh, I'm sure a lot of people have come and gone. And, uh, but we still have our core listeners that have been yeah, there since the yep. beginning. Yeah, that are still listening. Every yeah, and week. our numbers are still oh. holding up there from yeah. the uh, for downloads and stuff. Yep, and uh, you know, went through the whole COVID thing and managed to get through that. So I know. Imagine if we had a marketing machine behind us. What could we could be? <laughs> what we are now? <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot awesome. of there's a lot of people, a lot of people in the palliative communities that just don't know we exist. Well, that's their loss. I'm just saying, if we had a marketing machine. Any marketing machines out there? Yeah. That don't want to be paid? <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. Uh, there you go. There now is we're that. having it. Yeah. Hmm. Well, this marketing machine. Ah, yes. We went back to, well, it's a half and half night with the non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> yeah. And apparently you can't handle the good stuff because that's all you've got left. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard numerous people talk about Guinness and I love me some Guinness, but there's Guinness zero. Yes. Has a little ball in it. Zero alcohol. Uh, they say that is the closest thing you're going to taste to the real thing when it comes to beers. And not have alcohol. And not have alcohol, and it is pretty close. It is close. Like we could, I could taste the difference 
But uh, if you're just sitting there sipping it, like I take, because I, we have uh, a can of normal Guinness and a can of non-alcoholic Guinness next to each other. And so you can, if you go back and forth, you can taste that slight difference. But otherwise, they're so close that if you were just poured a glass of this at mm-hmm. a pub or something, you'd not know. It acts the same in the glass and everything with all the yes. little waterfall yeah. fa- underneath there. Yeah, the cascading bubbles. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of empty glasses mm-hmm. on this table now. There is. Yeah. <laughs> you have a lot of dishes to do later. What's this we? <laughs> you. you. I, what's this you? <laughs> I got a dishwasher upstairs. <laughs> Just got to carry them up there and put them in the dishwasher. Uh, yeah, so our quest for... I think that's the end of our quest for non-alcoholic beer that actually tastes right. Mm-hmm. On the regular stuff. Yeah, we stumbled over a couple that weren't so good. Some that were not too bad. Yeah. Some really depended on how cold it was. Yes. Well, that's what I found is it's got to be cold Mm -hmm. to have any chance. And there's all kinds of processes that that they remove the alcohol from the beer to give you the non-alcoholic beer. But, you know, some of them are, they say there's like, there's... uh, all kinds of different methods, and uh, and I, I was looking up earlier. I think I found five different methods to remove the alcohol. I didn't see the one where they filter through a dirty sock on the list, but there was a couple of them that tasted like it was filtered th- through a dirty sock. Yeah, maybe they don't use a sock. Maybe he's like an old pair of underwear or something. Maybe, maybe yeah, it's closer to the taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, but these were good. These, yeah, th- this Guinness, this, this Guinness is pretty this good. Zero percent Guinness is yep. really, really good. So you'd have to take one home with you. Yeah, I want, I want Siobhan to try it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, you guys are not going winter camping this weekend. No, we are not. So just talking to people, we didn't want to go too far to find snow. Yeah. That's the problem. And so uh, there's, uh, I know a couple of people who live up right on the border of the park. And uh, one of them, like uh, he... Dan was, uh, he has been in, he runs and jogs in the area, so he said he hasn't had to stop all winter because there's never been too much snow. And uh, he said in the in the woods, in the park itself, is uh, it's kind of a couple crusty layers with powdered layers in between, and it's just not going to be conducive to snowshoeing or playing in the snow for the weekend with the kids. And, and so if I'm going to be a cold summer camping, really. Is there still <laughs> open water? There is still open water. Really? Mm-hmm. In the park? Well, no, I don't know how far in we could go, but th- that's, you know, I don't know if I'd want to risk that because then in, in we are going to get more snow and the temperatures are dropping. Oh, again. I'm talking about me because we oh, are going up there camping. So you need to bring your canoe. That's what I'm saying. If yeah. there's open water. Yeah. Lake or two rivers would be open. I don't know about Mew well, Lake it itself. wasn't, though. Mew Lake wasn't. No. No, at New Year's and... Um, Lake of Two Rivers wasn't either. The weather's been mild. Yeah, well, down mild here, down mild too. down yeah. here. Yeah. So, hmm. Hmm, interesting. I don't. Yeah, interesting. Remind me, and I'll ask Dan at work tomorrow. Yeah, I should shoot a couple emails up to Algonquin and see what's. Yeah. If there's anything open up that way yeah. to get my February paddle in. Opio Outfitters or a couple of those places might still be open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Algonquin Outfitters. Mm-hmm. Talk to Gord right in uh, <clears throat> yeah, Oxtung. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I was I was supposed to go. Because you haven't paddled February yet. No, I was going to go on uh, Sunday, but last Friday I was walking the dog and took a little bit of a twist, <laughs> and uh, my lower back just like, Ugh. oops, enough of that. So, 
didn't do anything all weekend because I couldn't move. Oh, that so, sucks. Well, unless somebody was going to put me in the boat, paddle me around, <laughs> take me out of the boat. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, it, uh, could you imagine with this? Because you know your lower back, mm. like the the bottom, like the top of your butt. Yeah. When you can't even bend and you oh, can't stand yeah. up straight. Could you imagine trying to get out in and out of a kayak? Oh, no, I can't. With that? And you did this walking the dog. Yeah, I stepped on something and I slipped. Hmm. And we both wobbled, but we don't fall down. <laughs> but we twist funny. Yeah, there you go. And just all of a sudden, and I could feel the tweak. It was like, oh, okay, yeah. it's not bad. Finished the walk, drove to work, got out of the truck, and oh, <laughs> that's enough of that. You are a specimen of human physique. Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> rock, rocking the dad bod. <laughs> That's what we're calling it these days, right? <laughs> um, what else was going on? Well, this week is Valentine's week. Yep, it is. It there is. Go. So yeah, I got to do the the dinners, the oh, flowers. I, I the didn't cakes, say what I'm doing uh, instead of camping. Oh yeah, what are you doing instead of yeah, camping? Yes. So instead of camping, we uh, we had looked into a couple places. Like we looked at resorts up north and stuff like that, but nothing's going to have snow. And, uh, well, the forecast has changed, so there might be snow now. But but uh, everything we looked at is like, well, how far north do you have to go to go do? Because one of the options was Lake Nipissing. We were we were, had considered renting a uh, fishing hut on yep. Lake Nipissing. Uh, well, guy at my work just did that last weekend. Yeah. And so that was a thought. And uh, But in the end, we decided that we were just going to go lame and all. And, uh, and we, so we were taking the kids. We're going to go to Ottawa. We're going to stay downtown Ottawa for uh, a couple nights. And uh, if we might have done a weekend up north if it wasn't for the fact that Stella, she's in band at school and she's got a concert on Friday. So we we lose the Friday night. So we're gonna yeah. we're gonna head up on Saturday, and my sister's in Ottawa, so we'll visit her and we'll do a tour, go to the airplane or the war museum or something like that. And so there you go. That's what we're gonna do. Museum of yeah. history. And I don't think the Rideau's open. I th- think they had opened and reclosed it. My last I saw it was closed. I don't know if they reopened or not. Yeah, because downtown for Beaver Tails. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we were hoping to get out on the Rideau, but it's, apparently it's not safe. Yeah, throw your skates in the car mm-hmm. anyway. Well, if it's open, we could go bring the canoe. <laughs> right? But I don't think it's open. It's just unsafe. It's just unsafe. Well, yeah. throw the kids in. It'll be open. <laughs> <laughs> Scream if you fall through. There you go. <laughs> yeah, other than that, not too much happening these mm-hmm. days. It's gearing up for lots, but... And you're going camping. I'm going camping. We're going up to Mule Lake in Algonquin. There you go. Last, uh, this is usually our last... Family Camping, Day weekend, yeah. yeah. Family Day weekend, yeah. Uh, winter in the wild, and uh, this is our usually our last winter camping week weekend yeah. of the year before we start gearing up for mm-hmm. well because all the, the the trade shows and everything exactly start it's, happening, it right? gets busy this time of year yeah all the outdoor shows and yeah. stuff like that oh we used to call them me. trade shows from work I gotta rem- I gotta remember to find my passport that might be a good thing. <laughs> So, where's Derek? Well, it's like this. He couldn't make the trip. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise I will be the only one at the Quiet Adventure Symposium in Michigan. Exactly. I know where mine is, and I know it's not expired. Yeah, mine's good for another eight years or so. I got a 10-year one. Yeah, we had a 10-year one about nine years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I think think it's it's due in August or something this year. Yeah. Yeah. 
So this will be this summer will be the last time I use it. Mm-hmm. Till I get a new one. And they won't let you fly on it if you're within six months of expiry. Really? Yeah. Why not? So if, it, if, you're it, going, if you're going for like a week somewhere, maybe if you're well, no, because what <laughs> we'll talk offline. They 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 say that if it's within six months, say you go to Europe, Mexico, whatever, they don't get they can't guarantee that you're going to be back in time because you might screw up and get injured, and then your passport expire, and then there's all kinds of stuff. So there's uh, Tim's on the airline, Ben's on the airline, uh, but uh, yeah, they they would welcome to Pete's Discount Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> no passport, no yeah. problem. I've heard too many stories of people going on a trip and and uh, and nope, your your passport expires in six months. We're not going to let you. You're not allowed really? to board. Yep. Happened that just a, shows how much I go. <laughs> it happened to a couple in in uh, Nova Scotia there uh, in the fall or something. They were as a f- group of four. They were flying to in London, England, or something, and and uh, it, instead of the four of them going, two people went. Is this not posted somewhere? I don't think so. It happens. People find out about it because they At run the across. Last minute, yeah. It's like, uh, but I just spent ten thousand dollars on this trip. Too bad. Should have checked. Yeah. Yeah, it's dirty pool. I've, I've heard of it me. happening a lot. That's dirty pool. Yeah, yeah. Anywho. Yes. So. It's good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Find your passport. Yeah. Mine's good. Mine's dated good. It's, uh, I, I, I uh, Siobhan knows where it is. It's, I could, I think I could see it right now in my head. It's in the walk-in closet. It's in the it's in your wicker underwear basket. Drawer. It's in the wicker basket. Oh, it's in the wicker basket in mm-hmm. your underwear drawer <laughs> next to the socks. Because we have to keep them in a spot where it's easy to remember because there's, we have four passports, right? Where it's easy to remember. I used to have a special... Where is it? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to say that again, but slowly? <laughs> you know what I mean. I had forgotten earlier and now I'm starting to remember where it is. But I don't know. Last time I used it, I, I don't remember year. if I put it back in. Uh-oh. <laughs> Do I need to call your wife? Yes. Yes, I think I yes. better. Dear Siobhan, your husband's an idiot. <laughs> I know exactly where mine is. So I'll be going down to see the rabbits with or without you. There you go. You and, and Kevin, Kevin Gallon. Gallon. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Gallon. Uh, all right. Let's get on with this. Yes. Yapping too much. Yeah. Enough of this palaver. Let's get this show on the road. Pitter patter. Let's get at her. So, John Boyle, a writer for the Asheville Watchdog mm-hmm. in North Carolina, he has he does opinion pieces. I've been getting seeing a lot of opinion pieces lately, and a lot of people have a lot of opinions, and that's that just going to be opinion notes. Everybody's opinion, mm-hmm. but this one, because I've been last few years, I've been I look at all these waterfall kayakers and stuff like that i think it's pretty cool to see it you'll yep. never catch me doing it no even if by accident i still wouldn't do it well there <laughs> was know? there was a video that we played at last year's uh, paddling film fest yep and it was uh, their goal the guy's goal was uh, he wanted to he wanted to get the biggest biggest drop and i think he achieved it Where was no it that was uh was Nuria newman anyways they injured yeah. fractured a neck and, and then got back on board and oh yeah no 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 uh, Nuria did the the hundred and ten meter one we saw that one oh there's two um, yeah we there, also yeah, did one where the woman got injured yeah he got injured yeah. and uh, is that Scott 
Yeah. Anyway, oh, yeah. Uh, but then there was the other one. The guy wanted to go over a, a waterfall, and he because he found out he's, um, he's limited uh, lifespan. Yes, uh, tumor. Yeah, and um, he wanted to do that, so he did that. Anyway, so that so over the just, last few years, yeah, been, there, there's I've, been a lot of this. Yeah, there's it's, a lot. It's exciting to see it. It's so yeah. And every time I've seen it, it's people who know what they're doing, yep. and it's they've done a lot of practice, a lot of training. They spent this is their life. So there's this place called Looking Glass Falls down in North Carolina, and his opinion piece was. Was kayakers' trip over Looking Glass Falls reckless or just kind of amazing? And it depends on your point of view on the whole thing at the end of the day. Everybody has their own opinion. Right? Says, having lived here for nearly 30 years, I visited Looking Glass Falls probably 100 times in all seasons, including one super cool experience a few years ago when it was almost completely frozen. Oh, well, that'd be that's good. pretty cool. Uh, Niagara Falls used to be frozen. Used to freeze. Yep. And they set up a little village at the bottom of the falls. Mm-hmm. 1916, I think, the last time it froze. Yeah, because my, my my grandmother <clears throat> said that they used to go when she was a little girl. Mm-hmm. So that was a long, long time ago. Yeah. Uh, never once did I consider someone would go over the doggone thing in a kayak. I heard about one guy who went over it swimming, and that didn't work <laughs> out too well, as mm-hmm. I recall. Yep. Falls is about 60 feet high. And while it has a pool at the bottom, it's not nearly as deep as you would think. Or like. (laughs) Or like. I've touched bottom without difficulty while swimming there in the summer. So I was gobsmacked when I saw a Facebook video of Ryan McAvoy going over the falls. First, I watched McAvoy's GoPro video in which you can see him navigating the stream above the falls, then plunging seemingly forever into white water abyss. And that's the, like, I mean, that's the... the It's not a big deal. (laughs) That's the cliche thing. You first you see from the the kayaker's point of view. You're tipping over, <laughs> and then you see after, like you see him go down, water, water, and then you see somebody water. from the side <laughs> with theirs. Yeah, um, he clearly comes out of his boat, but he makes it and without injury. Honestly, it's amazing, enthralling, and just flat out incredible. I should also know that McAvoy did this during an extreme high water event after heavy rains, which apparently is the only time someone can even attempt this. Bystander also posted a video of McAvoy going over, and while it's tough to make him out, you can really see only a blur of green kayak falling down the cascade. It highlights just how high water flow was that day. Area got several inches of rain that day and the days leading up to it, so the stream and waterfall were absolutely wild. And that's exactly it. So you can see. Yeah. You know, that, that's a lot of them. You see the videos, the guys coming over. So they got their team down there taking some video and you see them at the top and then they sort of disappear. Sometimes you'll catch a little blur of them on the way down and then boom, eventually they pop up in their kayak or outside of their kayak or that sort of deal. That's typically how it goes. Uh, apparently a half dozen other folks have done this, including one guy who sustained a broken back, according to online commenters. So McAvoy isn't the first and is clearly not recommended by emergency medical and safety professionals. The video stirred up a lot of heat on social media with supporters lauding McAvoy uh, as a true badass paddler and critics lambasting him for potentially putting his life and possibly those of EMS workers at risk should his plunge have resulted in serious injury? 
So you got two si- clearly two sides. You're great for doing yeah. it. You suck for doing it. You're not the first, but was he trying to be the first? And so I know where the story's going. So what I can say is like, as with anybody, when you're preparing to do something like this, you're not just not. It's just going to be a flippant trip. You're not just no, going to. It's not yeah. on a whim. No, it's not. On oh a whim. yeah, there's a big waterfall. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go over. Yeah. I'll take a peek over. Yeah, it looks good. I'm yeah. going. I'm sure it's deep at the bottom. For, for something like this, you yeah. don't do that. Yeah, and so a lot of people <laughs> with uh, with uh, stronger and trolling opinions, they they don't look into the research that has been gone into doing something of this level. Mm-hmm. Uh, initially, McAvoy had posted the video with the message, Looking Glass, I've accomplished one of the loftier goals I've ever had with kayaking today. This is the scariest drop I've ever run. If you've seen the waterfall, you know why. Stoked to take no impact and walk away unscathed. Thanks to the safety crew for making my, the dream come true. Hashtag what's next. That apparently led to a lot of negative commentary. McAvoy added that that what I thought was a thoughtful, well-crafted note, I'm running it in, uh, running it in its entirety. Disclaimer, and he does he he printed it all in mm-hmm. caps. Yes. Disclaimer: Do not attempt. This was performed by professionals with years of experience, and the fact that he's now got to come back and put something like that. Yes. Yeah. You know, like. It, Hate all the negativity surrounding this post. Please post. Uh, please note, I've been kayaking for 19 years. I've had a full safety team in place capable of any rescue scenario that may have been needed. I've trained the last six years for this moment. I have nothing but respect for rescue squads. I would never want to put someone else's life in danger. There was no scenario where my crew would need to call River Rescue. They were overly prepared for the worst case scenario. I'm the seventh kayaker who has gone over the falls. It's normal with any sport to naturally progress and want to push harder. I'm also the only person who was at any risk. My safety team was fully capable of dealing with the pool below for a trained team a rescue at the bottom of this falls isn't life-threatening. The access to the pool is phenomenal, regardless of the water level. We had ropes, pulleys, trained medical personnel, the kayakers with all the gear on site. We talked about all scenarios that may happen and all agreed it was the right day, the right water level to do it. This was not a stunt. I am not an adrenaline junkie. This was driven simply by my passion and love for the sport of whitewater kayaking. This was a very calculated decision and the risk was mitigated as much as possible. I'm happy to answer any questions or concerns if anyone wants to message me. Please, everyone, stay safe. Don't hike near the top of any waterfall. Stay on designated trails and trust your gut. These mountains provide amazing resources for all levels of recreation, but we must be smart and safe about it. There you go. Right? So... um, John Boyle goes back into his opinion piece here. He says, I don't endorse people going over these kinds of waterfalls at all. Despite all the precautions, if something bad did happen, professional emergency service services personnel would have to come out regardless of any private preparations McAvoy and his team made. 
David McNeil, assistant country、uh, county manager of Transylvania County, where Looking Glass Falls are located, is a paramedic by trade and spent years working in fire and rescue services. As you may suspect, he frowns upon Looking Glass kayak drop. That's a dangerous thing, really, and it might promote other people to do the same thing, and even people with less skill, McNeil said. Our concern is that more and more people might try to do something like that, which we discourage heavily. If they happen to do it、uh, and they get hurt, then we have to send our emergency services personnel to do a rescue. When the rescue folks have to go out in these cases, it really puts them at great risk. So the question is do you now say that these people can't do what they want to do? Because somebody. So, Some you should, you should not、person. go out and drive F1 vehicles、mm-hmm. because I may take, jump out of my Ford F 150 into、mm-hmm. an F1 vehicle and try to race just as fast as you do. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> But that, in essence, that's exactly what he's saying. Yeah. You know,、um, Ex- he's taking all the safety risks. He's taking all the training. If you're not skilled enough to do it, don't do it. Don't do it.、Mm-hmm. I mean, to be rude about it,、yeah. Darwin's there. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a Darwin Award just happened, you know, waiting for、yeah. you. But if you don't have the skills and the prep and the training and all the people and support to do something like that, then. Yeah, you shouldn't Don't be- do it. It's that simple. Don't do yeah. it. And, and I agree, like, if, regardless of who's doing it, if once rescue becomes involved, like, it could be as simple as、uh, the rescue people could have a car accident on the way there. Might not have anything to do with the waterfall、mm-hmm. itself. It's just you're having people go out of their way to show up at a certain location. Like, maybe, you know, you could have a helicopter that crashes, you could have a car that crashes, whatever, right? On their way、so、to get you. There's always a risk in everything that happens. But, and, and what he's saying here is, Like, why promote anything that's going to potentially bring harm to anybody else? And it's like, well, then we wouldn't do anything really in the world. Right? Like, we're not going to go to space. We're not going to climb mountains. We're not going to. I'm not going on a canoe trip because. I'm not going to drive down the 401 because it's dangerous. Right? Right? That's, that's, that's sort of my take like, on there's, it. There's, I can see where there's excess risks. And ill informed people who have. Are ill prepared to. I always, in my opinion, if I'm going to go anywhere to do anything, my first thought is how am I going to achieve self rescue?、Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do everything I can to be informed and trained, and, you know, like first aid and all this. And you have all your first aid kits. And, you know, there's, of course, there's always something that's going to not, first aid is not going to help. But, you know, it's, it's everybody has to take those risks if they want to do the things that they love doing. You can't put all the blame and responsibility on somebody who's done it proper. Yep. Exactly. Because、They've、somebody who didn't do it proper、yeah. got hurt.、Mm-hmm. Right? Like,、yeah. that makes no sense.、Mm-hmm. You got to put the blame where the blame is. Yeah. And somebody that's, that's, like he says, six years have gone into training for that.、Mm-hmm. And somebody just one weekend goes, hey, Stay at the bottom in case something happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, something's going to happen. <laughs> And you can't, you can't put the blame on guys like him. Yeah. 
so this David McNeil, the the uh, guy that used to be a paramedic, he mentioned an incident during the same heavy rainfall event, which a small boat overturned on the French Broad River, dumping several people in high water. Emergency medical service rescuers went out to get them, and their boat also overturned, leading to a very dangerous situation. Everyone was rescued, but it could have been much worse. Yeah, and that's right? not people doing excessive. That's just people in a boat. Yeah. They, they weren't running the falls. They weren't doing... It was just... It could happen yeah. anywhere. Accidents are called accidents because mm-hmm. that's what they are. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Bunty, a spokesperson with the North Carolina Forest Service, says, first, it's important to note that McAvoy did not break the law. So I guess that was an issue. And of course, you know, posting this on, on social media, you know the trolls are just sitting there anyway. That's illegal. Right? There's all the trolls just waiting to jump yeah. all over this sort of stuff. In the case of this kayaker, what we saw was not illegal as he was traveling on a navigable waterway in North Carolina. But we ask that people use their best judgment and act safely and responsibly. She and McNeil pointed out that the waterfall injuries and deaths are fairly common in western North Carolina, which has hundreds of beautiful falls that attract a variety of users. Most of these deaths come from people walking around the tops of the waterfalls, often going past signs that warn of the danger. How many people do you see that step over that little fence and go just to get that better look or that I know, photo yeah. or, or whatever? That bugs right? me when people do that. Uh, Bunty says forest service want the public to enjoy public lands, but they don't want people getting hurt or dying. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> it's no secret that kayaking, especially whitewater kayaking, carries inherent risks. In some cases, it attracts adrenaline drunkies looking for a rush that comes with big water. Honestly, I admire these folks as I think they're just wired differently and have incredibly high risk intolerances, which I decidedly do not. And you've got to know where your risk tolerance is. Exactly, and, and hopefully you learn whether you have an inflated opinion of your risk tolerance, or you know what I mean. Yeah. Some people think, "Oh no, I can I can risk a lot here," and and then they're wrong. So it's it's really become comes down to your skill and and how you plan for doing something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't just go from zero to a hundred. Yeah. Just because I've seen other people do it. Yeah. Right. I paddle on Lake Ontario. I think I'm safe enough to paddle off Niagara Falls now. Go for it. We'll be at the bottom to catch you. Uh, In that vein, if you haven't watched Free Solo, a 2018 film featuring climber Alex Honnell, Mm -hmm. uh, his ascent of Yosemite's El Capitan, rock face without ropes. Actually, we were just talking about uh, a few of these people earlier tonight. Oh, yeah? uh, Because I've got got all these uh, rock climbing VCR tapes. All you young'uns don't know what a VCR (laughs) tape is. But when I used to rock climb, I have, like, I've got dozens of uh, VCR tapes I used to watch of all these guys climbing and stuff like that. Uh, If you watch it, it says, I highly recommend it. There's one scene in there where doctors are checking his brain's reactions to what would be fear-inducing images in most people. And Honnold just doesn't react. Oh. Like that panic isn't there. Yeah. Right? The fact is he and other adventurers like him are just wired differently. They are not going to be tethered to the office chair staring at a computer screen for eight hours a day. 
also consider this. Probably the most dangerous thing any of us do every day is drive on the interstate or local <laughs> roads. And that's statistically Absolutely. much more likely to result in an accident or death. So it's all about calculating that risk and then not putting others in danger, which is looks like McAvoy took multiple steps to do. Mm-hmm. So remember when the big blackout happened across uh, Eastern Canada, the United States? Was that 2004? Sure, why not? I don't, it was I way remember. back then. There it was... was way back then. So we were out in the middle of Lake Simcoe on a boat. Yeah. And I guess when everything went out, I, I don't know exactly what happened, but it left the battery with enough charge to start the boat. Mm-hmm. So we left the dock. Yeah. And then we were out there. And then when we went to start it again, <laughs> there was no charge left. Oops. And the guy I was with, the guy who owned the boat, looks at me and says, what do we do? And I'm like, huh, just keep fishing. <laughs> no panic. No, nothing. Yeah. we're yeah. going to drift to shore. Exactly. Right? We're not going to jump out and swim. No. And so there's that no panic thing. Mm-hmm. You got to be like that. Yeah. You know, you can't just like, uh-oh. Yeah, zero to 100 for panic mode. Yeah. Yeah. So for a paddler's perspective, as one who has lost a loved one to whitewater, um, the, the, the author here, John Boyle, he says, I reached out to former Asheville City Councilman Mark Hunt, who started paddling a half century ago. Hunt worked at Nantahala Outdoor Center as a whitewater kayaking instructor. He and his wife, Kat, were pioneers in the paddling industry in southeastern rivers. Their son, Taylor, died in a paddling accident in December 2015 in Ecuador. He was 22. He was in Class 5 whitewater. He was experienced at that level. And he was with two other people who had really good Class 5 experience. Class 5 rapids are the highest level of whitewater classifications, providing the biggest thrills, but also posing the most danger. Hunt holds no grudge against the sport or top-tier paddlers like McAvoy who pushed the envelope. He does not believe the authority should try to define which rapids are safe for whom or make some rapids off-limits. That's just not part of the sport, and we're better off with skilled paddlers making those decisions for themselves and their groups, Hunt said. Sadly, people get injured and occasionally die in this sport, including my son, which I continue to carry grief about. However, I don't blame the sport or the people of the sport. It's a mature way to look at it. You can't. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I said, if you want to just go back to the F1 racing thing again. There's going to be accidents. People people have died. Yes. Yes. The racing continues. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't just, all, oh, someone died. Yeah. No more racing. We don't ever. Ever. We can't do that ever. anymore. Yep. Oh, somebody died. No more cars. Yeah. Let's go back to horses. <laughs> well, people have been trampled by horses. No more horses. Yeah. We're walking everywhere. Yes. Like, people there, trip. There, there, there comes a point. <laughs> Hunt said he knows McAvoy a little bit, and he knows that white water is central to his life, uh, as it is with many paddlers. I don't know Ryan well, but his skill level is highly respected among better paddlers in the region, he says. Looking Glass Falls is not the most difficult whitewater locals have run. I've got dozens of social media friends who post videos all the time, while, and while Looking Glass Falls is very challenging Class 5 on an almost daily basis when it's raining around here, I see similar whitewater being run by lots of skilled people. Uh, Hunt said, acknowledging that McAvoy's video created quite a social media stir. 
Hunt does stress that people should not put EMS personnel in potential danger, and he's confident that McAvoy took pains to put an adequate safety team in place. And we've seen that in, in all the videos we've watched and all that. These guys that are doing yeah. these things, they do. It's it's what part of their process. Yes. I would agree with anybody, including some of the authorities, that people need to have skills and experience and then gauge that carefully against the challenge they have taken on, Hunt says. And I trust that Ryan did that in this case. Whenever a highly skilled kayaker dies, people will say he knew the risks and decided to take them on. But sometimes there's more to the equation. I think that it is true to an extent at least, but I cannot help but thinking that enthusiasm and emotion gets in the way of objective evaluation of risk. Gosh knows that the adrenaline rush that comes with this stuff can be darn irresistible. Peer pressure from friends often fits in somewhere. Being able to say, I did it to others, especially when the route has been run by others, can be important from the ego standpoint. The lure of going pro can play a role, and the ubiquitous video cameras can also encourage risk-taking too. And some who are newer to classify rapids might assume that because so many others do this stuff, it must be a manageable risk. See, there's your mistake right there. Yes. You yeah. Know? And if we want to go back to my December first attempt paddle there. Yep. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, my when I went in December there, yeah. out kayaking. And you had the panic. And boat. we went out, out just in Little Bay, and I just had that panic. Mm-hmm. I could have, you know, John would say, are you sure? Like, we can keep going. If, if I would have given in to that, who knows what would have happened? Who knows I could have been fine. I yeah, who knows what your body was telling you? Yeah. And- but, and you, you, and like you said, you've got it. It could be irresistible to, you know, yeah, let's just go. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> yeah. There's you a know? lot of worse. You, you've got to gauge it that you've got yeah. to, uh, you, you know, it has to be manageable risk. Yeah. Hunt says to consider two things. First, that you really try to get past the emotion and peer pressure when you are considering what to run or not. Evaluate risks and hazards as objectively as possible. You have to. Yeah, yeah. Just because you look at something one day and go, I can do that. I look at it and go, I'm not feeling it. That's not for me. Just because you're doing it doesn't, I shouldn't feel I have Mm -hmm. to do it, right? Uh, That's like people going on, you know, you're going down a rapid. You know what? I'm just not feeling, I'm I'm going to do the portage. I'm going to portage this one. If you want me to take some of your gear, I'll take your dog with me or whatever. Exactly. We'll see you at the bottom. Um, what others have done before or what others in your group are choosing to do that day should be discounted in that calculation. Hmm. The brethren of class five boaters, it has a high frequency of folks that are genetically blind to risk. Second, that you from a distance consider how far up the risk spectrum you really want to take yourself in the sport. And that's pretty solid advice. I don't know McAvoy, but it seems like he's a guy who took a lot of preparation and safety precautions in this endeavor, which was a life goal of his and succeeded. I hope he lives a long, happy, full life of safe paddling adventures. Yes. I like that opinion piece. I do. I do. Like, like I was, when I first read it, I wasn't, hey, where is he going with this? Mm-hmm. Like, is this, because we, we read a opinion piece of somebody might have been, I don't think it was the same author, but it was about 
going down and it was a long windy route and and he was just rushing through to get to the end and other people were saying well you don't stop and smell the flowers and mm-hmm. they talked about risk and everything as well and and it was that way opinion piece was just constantly negative yeah it was like maybe 15 episodes ago maybe 20 anyways i just like why are we reading this this guy's so negative just, just a yeah. Really that was the one that was. Where's your risk factor? Yes, yes. Right. What What do risk. you consider risk? Exactly. You know, and how people gauge it differently. Mm-hmm. But this one here is like he's just because he, he he's got the training, he's got all yeah. this, and there's a lot of people like him out there, and then there's people that don't. Yeah. And they're looking, go. They're the oh, I can do that. And it's the people that watch those people without the training mm-hmm. that are saying it's all these people's fault. Yeah. They shouldn't be doing this because other people are going to watch it and. And with social media these days, it's so easy to, you know, the, the term oh, influencer yeah, comes yeah, around yeah. a whole lot. Yeah, it's used too much. It, it, and, you know, oh, yeah, well, he's a social media influencer. People watch all his videos. And if they yeah. see him doing it, they think they can do it. And I like that John Boyle, when he wrote this, he, it's it's balanced. He did his research. He looked into it. Yeah. He has his opinion. He's balanced it out with other people's opinions. He's interviewed people for the piece. He's got some feedback. So it, it's a well balanced article. It's actually turned out really, really nice. It wasn't. It wasn't just a you know a smash and grab, and he's just slamming people. It was. Uh, he, he put some thought and 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 emotion, and you know he put it. He did a really good job. I like how you know what. Out. If you want to follow one of these guys that that are doing this, you want to follow McAvoy and, and and try these things. You better have the training. Yes. You Better have Absolutely. the safety crews mm-hmm. because if you don't, there's only one person to blame, and yeah. that's yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't be blaming guys like McAvoy and the people that do this. Like, like I say, Nuria Newman, we watch her do that 110 meter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One yeah. right, and oh well, she can do it because she's a girl. I'm mm-hmm. gonna go. You know what? You're an idiot. Yes. You know exactly. you you deserve what you get. So yeah. Anyway, I just found that article uh, uh, really enjoyable to, to to read. It was balanced. I yeah. liked it. Uh, we we did a uh, review of Sean Jansen. He's the one that took the stand-up paddleboard down the Baja Peninsula, yes. the Sea Cortez yeah. there. And uh, um, we figured, yeah, we wouldn't do that because we get, <laughs> we get sunburned way too easy. Well, there's a sunburn you know? part. There's yeah. the uh, takes two, three, two, month, two plus months to do it. Yeah. So there's that problem. Who has that kind of vacation? Not me. I asked my boss, can I take three months off? <laughs> sure. Just take the rest of the year, too. Yeah. Don't bother coming back. <laughs> nice knowing you. Uh, and, yeah, he he's, you know, he spells his name the same way I do, so he must be an awesome guy. <laughs> uh, one of the packs he took was the Sea Lion Pro Dry Bag. Yeah. Now, I've been using the Sea Lion um, Seal Line, uh, 115 liter pack mm-hmm. for at least 15 years. Same one. The same one. Well, not not the same one because he got the hundred. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm saying you've been using that one bag. Oh, that one for bag for like years. 15 years. I think it might be just, it could be closer to 16, 17 years, yeah. but it's in the 15 year range. It's got some miles on it. It's got some, it's dirty. Uh, it's It's been dragged across portages and thrown into boats and um, dropped and kicked yeah. and animals have ran over it. Mice have tried to chew through it <laughs> to get food. I don't think a bear's gone after it. <laughs> uh, I had a almost hurricane weathers drag it across 
because oh, yeah. I used I used used it to weigh down a tarp in mm-hmm. one corner of a tarp, and it just dragged it like a hundred <laughs> meters across the the site and into the woods. Yeah. Uh, it's it's gone through so much. I've hauled it and chucked it through an old forest fire area because we're having to go over all the old burned yeah. logs and stuff like that. And it's taken me. It's got one small pinhole at the on the side. That's pretty good. And there's a piece of black duct tape over top of it. Yeah. Um, nothing has ever gotten wet inside that thing. That's impressive. If there's ever a rainstorm so bad, I am emptying it and getting in it. <laughs> I will stage, I will be the only thing for, if, if Noah's Ark happens again, yeah. I'm jumping in that bag. I'll be the only thing left dry. What's the brand, the one that I use? It's, um. Don't you have a Eureka? Yes, it's a Eureka yeah. pack. So I think I'm on my third or fourth one. And they don't last that long. They get pinholes really easy. Like if on some trips, and I, I just know it's going to be a problem. Like if I'm on a trip where there's a lot of sand, mm-hmm. then the pack is going to have new holes in it because it's going to, the sand inside the canoe is going to wear holes in. So I took this one on the trip up to Moosonee, up the Moose River. And that's a lot of sand. And there's a lot of sand. And... Uh, Scott Robinson, the guy I went with, um, we had this Moose River Sand quote that yeah. we kept saying all the time. And I don't know how long I went through that bag and like, ugh, Moose River Sand. There's still <laughs> sand in this. Still sand in this thing. <laughs> you know, it's got the straps, the back padding yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And you'd shake it like six months later and sand would sand be coming still out. coming out. Right? Like I said, I treat it like crap. Yeah. But, you got your money's worth. I'm on my third or fourth one, and yeah, and when this one dies, yeah, I am getting a second one. Expensive, yeah, but so worth the money. I just bought two so new how much, Eureka packs. How much is the Eureka pack? So Eureka packs. Oof, I just bought two of them. I bought a, I bought a one ten or one fifteen or whatever they are, and I bought a seventy. I, I wish I could remember what they were. I bought them both at the same time from a place downtown Toronto. I'm going to guess at... Uh, 115, uh, what do you think it was? I'm going to guess at around 130. So you bought, in, say, three of those? Yeah. So that's 400 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Easily, plus shipping, plus taxes, plus whatever. Yeah. Plus all the so patches. So 500 bucks? I spent a lot of money on patches. And- 600 bucks? <laughs> <laughs> I think when I bought that, it was like 200, 250. I can't remember mm-hmm. which. See, I like keep that buying was like the, 15 years ago. I keep buying the Eureka pack because I like the way it packs. Yeah. It's got a flexible shell. So I can jam stuff in there and I'm not fighting the fabric. And uh, I did buy, I wish I could remember the name brand, but uh, it's. Uh, I bought a new one. It's like a seal line, but it's not. And uh, it's, it's tall and narrow. It's like a 110 or 105 liter pack. But it's just so hard to pack. It's got a rubber liner. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a really thick rubber. Well, and, that's what this one and is. And just stuff doesn't slide into it. Like, yeah. I'd have to whip out the talcum powder to, so I can pack the thing because everything wants to stick to the... Yeah, and see, I'm like Tetris champion of the world. <laughs> I can get stuff in it. But it's the same. It's it's a heavy, heavy-duty, mm-hmm. um, thick material. Yeah. And, yeah, you're not... It's not expanding. Yes. You know, you've got so much space, it's not <laughs> stretching sort of deal. So if you can't get those tent poles yeah. down the side, then you're pulling <laughs> yeah. everything out, getting those tent poles in, and then trying to pack and stuff then back, in back in properly. Yeah. 
You, you learn how to pack it, right? <laughs> so he took this on. Now, his stand-up paddleboard was 12 feet, mm-hmm. and he put this right at the front. Yeah. Of, of the and all the rest of his gear was at the back so it was it was packed uh, he says if you're in search of a multi-day expedition dry bag look no further than the seal line pro dry pack 120 liter so his is five liters more than mine it's also yes. newer yeah this pack swallows and protects gear with layers of armor and buckles that hold it all in place. Yes. See, that's the thing is, my if I put stuff in there, it's not moving all over the place. Mm-hmm. It is solid. <laughs> if I were to pick it up and throw it at you, it's going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a brick, yeah. right? There's no give. There's no yeah. bend. There's no flexing. <laughs> it is a brick coming at yeah. you. When seal, li- when seal line launched the pro dry pack it was highly intrigued to take it on my stand-up paddleboard expedition down the Baja Peninsula the pack is an evolution of a previous dry bag that I rigorously rigorously tested the seal line 115 liter boundary pack which I took down nearly half of the Baja Peninsula 150 miles through Yellowstone National Park and a handful of overnighters elsewhere I called the boundary pack the Mega Mouth of Dry Bags. I'm thinking maybe that's what that one is. Because yeah. it's an older one, too. And it's, it's huge. It's huge. Launched in 2019, the Pro Dry Pack had additional volume, more durable material, and enhanced comfort with padded shoulder and hip straps, making it easier to carry. So I opted to take this new design on my latest paddle expedition, supping the remaining 535 miles of the Baja Peninsula, which I completed in a 60-day stint at Only the tail two months. end yeah, of 2023. In short, the Seal Line Pro Dry Pack is 340 US at REI. And we looked at prices earlier. We were seeing like Amazon had it for 330, 340. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple places downtown Toronto had it for four something. Yeah. Well, it's conversion rate too, right? So it's yeah. going to be more expensive here. Well, yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. even a lot more expensive. That's probably twice of what I paid for mm-hmm. that one originally. Yeah, I bought that one back. from uh, Mountain Equipment Co-op mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah. Uh, it's spacious, built for rigorous terrain, abrasion-resistant, offers back support, is comfortable to carry even when fully loaded. I knew this would be the pack for the job of an extended overnight trip. My testing only proved that this bag could indeed handle loads of rigorous use on the water. The only other wear on my bag yeah. is there's the whole big backpack oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. thingy. Yeah. The top, where my tailbone is, yeah. it rubs, right? So if you're wearing a belt or yeah. whatever clothing you're wearing at the time. So it's all it's rubbed for 15 years. Yeah. And there's a big hole, hole in that's the, rubbed in the rubber padding, yeah. Just on, on the back padding, not yeah. the pack itself. And it's just a small hole. It's not yeah. that big of a hole. So gives, he gives some specs on this new one here. Uh, material 600 uh, denier polyurethane with... Coated polyester bottom, 400, uh, sorry, denier. I was, I've been looking at it. I've always pronounced it denier. Wait, no, I don't know. Yeah, denier. It. It's pronounced six different ways. Denier, polyurethane. Plastic. It's plastic. It's discounts plastic polyurethane. Yeah, sides coated with nylon. The closure is a roll top with two additional over-the-top security buckles, which are perfect. Gear capacity, either 70 or 120 liters. Because they have the two bags. Yep. The dimensions of the 120 liter are 
18.5 inches by 12.5 inches by 32 uh, inches. Weight of the 120 liters, 5 pounds, 8 ounces. So it's definitely not a light bag. No, no. Features a bathtub bottom reinforcement. Best use stand-up paddling, canoeing, and kayaking. I will 100% authenticate the it. Pros, huge volume, submersible, reinforced protection at the base, plush shoulder and hip straps, easy, reliable roll-up uh, top closure. Mm-hmm. So the top, you, you roll it down a few times. Yep. There's and two on the side, two clo- clips on the side that straps come up from the bottom to hold it down. Yeah. And then there's from the back comes across the front in a crisscross. Yeah. Over the top to, to latch in the front to give you more to keep it down. Now, do you know if the new one, like you had to add a, add a strap because it didn't have the... Bottom. I looked at his. His doesn't have the bottom strap. So you'd have to add it to that one Yeah. Too. So at the front, you see like your your Eureka one has a handle at the bottom on the front. Yes. M- the seal line does not. So I put two clips there and you know how you can make those little rope bracelets and that? Yep. I um, wove one of those, but mm-hmm. a, a longer one, and with two clips, uh, uh, carabiners in it, and I clip those on. Exactly. So that's my handle. And if I ever ha- need rope in emergency, there you go. I got about 20 yeah. feet of rope right there. Mm-hmm. The only cons, expensive and heavy. I question the heavy because it's not that heavy. Five pounds. You know, yeah. Five pounds. Your, your pack is starting at five pounds. Yeah. If you're trying to cut weight. <laughs> well, if you're trying but. to cut weight, then you're not even trying to get things wet. Right. Because, you know, you add another five pounds when everything's wet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, like I say, the, the heavy with, with this, I wouldn't put it as a con. I'd put it as mm-hmm. a comes with the territory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the expense thing, agreed, it's expensive. And I, and I just, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you imagine if you're like uh, Blackfeather or you're, you know, any of these outfitting oh, groups and it's you'd like- you have to get a deal. It, like every year, it's like, oh, I got to buy another six of these this year and I had a couple of fail and I've got to patch all my old ones and- yeah. or, or if you're an outfitter where you're renting all this gear and it's like, oh, we have like- 30 of these bags in stock and <laughs> yeah that's a lot of overhead that it really <laughs> is uh he says i stressed out uh about the large volume of gear i would need to carry on this trip and manage while living on the sand mm-hmm. opting for the larger pack between the 70 liter and 120 liter the big volume swallowed all my gear just fine the Pro Dry Pack is also easy to open with a classic roll top closure. Two straps with buckles fold over the top closure, uh, two for extra security. This pack will not open whatsoever if closed uh, appropriately. I made sure to roll the top at least three times, which an inscription inside reminds you to do. Everything stayed dry on my entire adventure. Now, there's been times where I've had that thing packed to the gills. Yes, yeah. yeah. And I've like, only got one, maybe two <laughs> rolls in it. Might get I've wet. S- still not had issues. <laughs> yeah. Still never. And I've been in downpours. Um, mm-hmm. Now, if my opinion, this isn't this isn't his. This is mine. If you're tossing up between the seventy and the one twenty, yeah. go one twenty. You, you can, can always roll, roll that down, down exactly to a seventy liter yeah. size, but you can't roll the seventy liter up. 
to mm-hmm. 120 yeah. liters size. It doesn't work that way. But if you have the spare cash, get if you one got of the each. spare cash, I, if one you, of each. No, I'd get two of the 120. <laughs> um, well, you never know when you might go shopping along the way in the Baja. <laughs> Find something yeah, they yeah. just want to stick in there. Well, I'm thinking the smaller packs because I know my kids aren't going to be able to carry that much weight, and so the various dry packs that I've got for them to carry, you know, they carry, you know, first aid kit and yeah. lunch and rain jackets and bug jackets, just light loads that have to go somewhere. So they get the the small dry packs. But just because it's a 120 liter pack, yeah, doesn't mean you have to put 120 liters of stuff in no, it. No, <laughs> but if you have a three foot kid, and this dry pack with the giant straps made for an adult, like how does uh, Tracy do with uh, wearing that backpack? I laugh <laughs> and I laugh <laughs> because even if you roll it all the way up, the straps are still. Well, that's low. why we ended up having to get her an Ostrom pack. Yeah, because this one hits the back of her legs. Exactly. Right. So you need, that's for the kids until the kids are big enough. Then yeah. I'm still buying a big and a, and a small pack. Yeah. If you're six feet tall, this pack's for you. <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're five feet, it's not for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you should be fitting yourself for a pack before you oh, buy absolutely, one. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That, that sort of, I guess I should, it doesn't go without saying, but, you know, yeah. You should, yeah, you should, and... You should, you should fit yourself for a pack. Just, that's why I don't like to order stuff online. Exactly. Right? But with these, these are very coarse when it comes to fitting. It's, this is not like I'm going to be doing the Adirondack Trail and... and no, uh, and, you know, no. So you need something that's going to fit perfectly to your body style. So yeah. you're going to try on about eight or diff- nine different packs and see which one fits the curve of your back. These are just thrown on for a portage. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I'm going to wear this five, almost six pound bag <laughs> while trying to cut weight doing the Adirondacks. <laughs> I'm going to take this six-pound bag, cut my handle off my toothbrush to save weight. <laughs> Ain't having it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, my my opinion, for for me, I would just buy the 120 instead yeah. of the 70 liter oh, if I was tossing yeah. up. Yeah. Backpack shoulder and hip straps are where Seal Line took this pack to the next level. Not to mention the build out with the sternum strap, uh, breathable backpack, Lumber padding for the lower back and also a full length frame sheet for support. Do you use on your packs? Do you use the chest strap? I do. Really? I can't. I it bothers me to no end. So I adjust. So it's, it's sometimes it's on, sometimes it's off. If I'm doing like a five or six kilometer portage, there's a lot of adjustments partway through. I'm going to loosen up the chest strap a bit, and might lengthen the shoulder straps a bit, and put more tightness on the hip belt, and then mm-hmm. maybe lighten the hip belt, hang everything from my shoulders. It changes. Yeah. The only thing I've never, I've never been able to figure out how to use it properly and still be comfortable. It might be just me. But uh, I can't use top lines. And I've, see, I've never, never u- yeah. been able to use them. I've never given them much of a chance. But we bought one yeah. for Tracy's Ostrom pack mm-hmm. to help her out a bit. So I might actually give that a whirl and see I how I suppose well. it would unload some of the pressure off of your shoulders and hips yeah. for a short time. Yeah. But then it's compressing your spine on your neck. It gives you a nice little strap mark across your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> Built with soft padded material, the shoulder straps and hip belt sit nicely on my hips and shoulders. Nearly forgot the pack was loaded with a ton of gear. For more than 60 days, I lugged this pack to and from the water and onto the beach, shorter distances, twice daily. 
Despite the fact this bag was fully loaded with camping gear and food, I never dreaded the walk because the pack is a that comfortable against the back. A few times I even needed to carry the heavy bag for more than a half mile to find a flat spot on the sand. Shoulder straps and waist belt are detachable too. I found that most dry bags turn out to be fairly delicate. Even waterproof, uh, waterproof fabric needs to be protected from the sharp and rough objects. The Pro Dry Pack doesn't care at all what you rub against or drop it onto. Material along with the base is 600 denier polyurethane coated polyester and the sides are 400 polyethylene coated nylon. I accidentally set the pack down on a rusty barbed wire fence when it was at its heaviest weight with a resupply of food. The reinforced bathtub bottom acted like the sharp points weren't even there. That's good. Yeah, which is the key difference between the pack and the boundary pack, as well as many other dry packs. Like, I can set that on things. Mm -hmm. No problems. No problems. The bottom acts like a helmet and a rain jacket. Despite also slamming this pack down on coral, cactus, spiny bushes, and lava rock, there isn't even a scratch on the material. This level of fabric strength meant I didn't need to worry about where the pack sat when I loaded up on rocks or coral uh, or near thorny bushes. Yeah, I I just taken it out of the canoe because you know sometimes you're got one foot in the canoe one foot on land and you're trying to unload so that your yeah, canoe yeah, doesn't yeah. drift away yeah, yeah. or that's yeah. you pick up the pack and just throw it toss it yeah right <laughs> i have two complaints with the pack the first came at checkout it is not a cheap purchase <laughs> thankfully secured I uh, scoured the internet and found one on sale, but the sticker price of 315 for the 70 liter, 340 for the 120 liter is without question an investment. But as I've learned, the cost is worth every penny. Pay, pay, <laughs> what is it? Pay, uh, buy once, cry once? Yeah, buy right? once, cry once, yeah. Yeah. Second is weight. This is not a lightweight system. At 4 pounds, 12 ounces for the 70 and 5 pounds, 8 ounces for the 120. This dry pack isn't something I would want to take on a hike or portage very far. What do you t- Well, I just portaged that over the, the uh, Dixon Bond field. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> That's a 5 kilometer portage. Uh, removable sternum strap allows you to cut weight if needed, but if your gear is heavy, you might want to keep the strap on for support. Alternatively, its sibling boundary pack weighs four pounds, two ounces, a full pound lighter than the pro dry pack, but that lighter weight comes with more vulnerability. A mouse easily chewed a hole into the boundary material when I tested it, whereas pro dry pack doesn't even have mark. What has he got a trained mouse? I know, right? To be fair, the pack is not designed for high mileage traverses, now he tells me. The purpose of the Pro Dry is to swallow gear, keep things dry and safe for when the time comes to roll up that beach or gravel bar after a long day on the water. I paddled more than 500 miles for two months with the Seal Line Pro Dry Pack 120 liter. Despite being dropped, dragged, accidentally abraded and tumbled, the pack remains minimal wear, uh, reflects minimal wear and tear. It's expensive and heavy, but is also reliable and will last. I would recommend this day pack, a dry pack, to anyone who is planning a serious trip. That is durable dry bag that can handle a whole lot of use. 
Trust me, the only time you may worry about this pack is when the checkout clerk swipes your credit card. From then onward, there's no need to worry about this pack and whatever content, uh, contents you entrust to its inside. I 100% agree with mm-hmm. everything. Maybe not so much about the weight thingy. Like I say, <laughs> I've, well, I mean, that's a four kilometer portage up into Hogan. Yeah. Five kilometer, over a five kilometer portage, Dixon Bonfield. <laughs> And I've had that. I've been doing that yeah. for fifteen years with this bag. So yeah, it's it's okay for for. I've I've never really worried that much about weight when canoeing. No, because the portage is so short. Like I remember, and I carried that thing for years. I found one. <laughs> I, one year, I found this really nice flat rock that I would cook on, and I carried it. The thing was the size of a twelve-inch frying pan. And I carried that in the bottom of my bear barrel oh, for dude. years. I just wrap it in newspaper and use it every day at camp to make bread on or whatever. And it's an actual rock. <laughs> I'm carrying an actual rock in the backpack, in the canoe pack. <laughs> we we used to, when we were on a canoe trip, we would find a rock. Yeah. Like a piece of quartz or something. Maybe the size of a golf ball or yeah. bigger. And we would bring it home and put it in the garden. Yeah. We carry that around. Yeah. For if we found it the first day, we carried it the entire trip. If we found it the last day, that's all we carried it. Beckett collects like two dozen of those things. Oh. <laughs> well, I see where he gets it from. <laughs> no, this I, was a nice rock. That's not a rock. This is a rock. <laughs> that rock was just under an inch thick and it was almost circular and it was like a, about the size of a 12 inch frying pan and it, <laughs> I still have it somewhere in my in my camping gear it's a, probably with it's your a passport really, this is a, it's a really nice rock <laughs> with your passport <laughs> in a whisker basket somewhere well, I remember the first time I cooked on it it's like well, I'm keeping this <laughs> <laughs> were you by yourself <laughs> You would have no, to be because no, really? No, it was with Siobhan on that trip. We were just the two of us on the trip that I found it. Was that her first trip? No, no. Because she has to be looking at you thinking, has <laughs> she still married you? You guys just celebrated exactly. 15 years, too. Yeah, 15 years this year. 15 See, years on Tuesday. And you're just proving our point. She <laughs> lost a bet. Took one for the team. Took one for the It's team. a nice rock. Like, honestly, like, I don't take it on every trip. And I, I have. I wouldn't take it on any trip. I've had such bad luck with, uh, you know, the, the, the camping grills you get from Kane Tire and stuff. Yeah. It's like it, get, it gets all warped and bent and. and That's it, why they're five bucks. <laughs> I've seen some nice ones. They're titanium, tubular steel. Oh, yeah, forget that. And, and so it's like, you know, it's like 150, 200 bucks for a camp grill. It's like, yeah. no, for free, I have this nice rock. <laughs> <laughs> if I next time I find the rock, I'm bringing it here. Bring it here. Well, 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 I got the <laughs> uh, the fire pit outside. <laughs> we'll cook a couple of steaks outside and talk about your rock. <laughs> wow, it's a nice rock. That there's a nice rock. <laughs> wow. Anyway, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have revealed that. Maybe I should have kept that to myself. <laughs> hey, rock boy. <laughs> But it fits in the bottom of a bear barrel. It, it fits that round spot, so it, it never got broken or crushed or anything like that. <laughs> I just found yeah, it. Yeah, but a- if, if, <laughs> if you're making a quick little dinner, can you get the stone out of the... <laughs> the- oh, you got to empty the entire <laughs> barrel. 
just to get the stone from the bottom. Can you imagine you go on a trip with the uninitiated, and it's like, hey, I'm getting ready to cook. Can you grab my grill out of the, <laughs> the bear barrel? Sure. Where is it? Right at the very bottom. There's a rock in here. Yeah, that's the that's grill. That's the one. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> is that why you had me carrying that barrel down the portages? Yeah. So, you, you take the barrel. So the five-pound, uh, the overall weight of an empty backpack of being five pounds, I'm not worried about it because i got a five-pound rock at the bottom of that thing. So you're starting at 10 pounds is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice rock. Oh. Uh. Someday I'll find a nicer one to replace it. <laughs> Hopefully it's a bit... It's, times have changed. It so, could be a little bit thinner. <laughs> but do you know how... Newer you, rock technology. Do you know how you... Uh, what do they call it when you condition a, a cast iron frying pan? Conditioning? So yeah. when this nice and conditioned and oiled seasoned. up and seasoned. So yeah. this rock is nicely seasoned. It's blackened and seasoned and... <laughs> I, that's why I have to wrap it in Maybe newspaper. Maybe for Christmas, Santa will get you a new one. <laughs> that's why it's wrapped in newspaper on these trips. Because it's, it's, it's Wait really a minute. Greasy. You're the one that doesn't want to put a pot over the grill, over the fire. I wrap because, it in newspaper. Because couldn't you do that with a pot? No. Newspaper fall off a pot. You could br- put it in a... I, I put my pots... In a, a bag. Well, I uh, Scott, so that, Rob, Scott Robinson. Uh, I, I I'm if I ever get a dirty pot, I'm going to be using his canvas uh, uh, whiskey and something. What's he called? Oh, it? bourbon. Bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got that canvas uh, roll for yeah, like doing. Yeah, uh, I've got one. Yeah. Yeah, I've got two of them. So. So you're going to take, don't dodge the question here, you're going to take a newspaper-wrapped, dirty, greasy, blackened rock in your pack, but you won't take a wrapped, blackened pot. I don't want pots to get all dirty and blackened. But the stone's okay. Stone's okay. Stone's okay. It's a stone. It's a rock. (laughs) In a pinch, I can throw it away. (laughs) <laughs> Apparently not. See, and that's the, that's the <laughs> glorious part of it. Like, you can't just throw away a pod in the backcountry, but this is a rock. If I throw it away, it's just a rock, another rock. Now in it's the a dirty rock. It's a dirty rock, sure. It's a used rock. <laughs> You've used it. <laughs> I shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's not like you're not going to live it down. <laughs> It's a nice rock. Hey, rock boy! Oh. Um, so we're winter camping this weekend. Mm-hmm. You're going to Ottawa this weekend. Correct. And the following weekend is a Toronto, Toronto Outdoor yep. Adventure Show. And then... I have been asked, am I going to have stickers? Because I am presenting at noon on Sunday... Following the incomplete paddler's canoe route, mm-hmm. uh, about the trip we took in the book where yep. we followed the book, I'm presenting on that Sunday at noon, the Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show. I will have stickers with me if you see me. You're not sure if you're going to come on Sunday or not. I don't know yet. I don't know if I go on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, if you see us, just flag us down and say yep. hello. Are you going both days? Yeah, I'll go Saturday, see everything, and then Sunday I'll go and... Uh, 
see a couple extra things and chat with a couple extra people mm-hmm. and do my presentation and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So if you're at the show on Sunday, grab yourself some lunch and at noon, have your lunch at the Adventures in Paddling stage and listen to me yabber while you eat. <laughs> Spoil my lunch? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Ah, if if you're lucky enough, you'll be able to eat it off of Derek's dirty rock, <laughs> like a plate. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. If you want uh, some, I'll have stickers with me in that, so I can pass them out. Um, there is last thing I've got here. Oh, sorry, no. And then the weekend after that, is the we're in Michigan at the Quiet Adventure Symposium. Again, I'll have, we'll have stickers yep. and stuff there. Make sure you come up and say hello, even if it looks like we're unapproachable. We are not. We are very approachable. Uh, you should find that rock and bring it. <laughs> bring it. <laughs> I want to see. It you wasn't get, on our trip. I want to see you get stopped in in. <laughs> Going over the board into Michigan, uh, west with this dog. It's his. It's, it's his rock. It's, it's my rock. Yeah, it's my pet rock. I take it everywhere. It's my cooking yeah. rock. I don't see. It's not illegal, is it? I've well, cooked quite a few steaks. I've baked bread on it. Mm-mm. See, that's not going to be our new mascot. <laughs> Derek's cooking rock. Yeah. Ye old cooking rock. <laughs> you should find it and bring it. <laughs> Uh, again, we'll we're there. Uh, stop by, say hello. We'll have we should have. I'm supposed to pick it up tomorrow. Our new paddling adventures radio canopy tent thingy. Oh yes, yeah, it's supposed to be ready tomorrow. Where are you stealing that thing from? Everywhere and anywhere. <laughs> uh, the other thing, the only other thing I got, we I put on our Facebook page a YouTube video. We talked about REI laying people off and yes. stuff. And this is sort of another uh, opinion piece, but a very interesting perspective, saying that REI is not the problem. It's not the future of the outdoor industry, retail industry. So it's... When yeah, he goes I haven't into, watched it yet. Yeah, watch it, because he goes into it, and he starts talking about all these different, you know, um, companies. Mm-hmm. That make outdoor gear. But they're under big parent companies. Yeah. So basically, it's one company that has all these little ones. One company has all these little ones. Yeah. One company. So Corporate monsters. Yeah. And he's he, he goes into both the buying online or buying mom and dad stuff, like from mom and pop, mm-hmm. you know, paddle shops as opposed to big, you know, conglomerate yeah. sort of things. A very interesting uh, perspective. So go to our Facebook page, Paddling Adventures Radio uh, Facebook page, and and check the um, the video there on that. Oh, and if you're going to the Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show, there's also a post on all our social media about with a uh, discount discount code that you can get three bucks off all your your tickets. Somebody mm-hmm. said today they thought it was just one ticket, but he bought like three three or four tickets. Oh, and our discount. it applied the discount to all of them. Cool. And we are one third sold out on our. Oh, uh, film festival. Film fest tickets. Yeah, it's still a month away. So yeah. uh, if you're looking to get tickets, you better get them. We yeah. usually get about 15, 20 people drop in at the end. Yeah. So this year it might not be able to, to happen. Ooh. So, whoop, whoop. 
Uh, other than that, I've got nothing else. Neither do I. Really? Okie dokie. Don't let me forget to give you a Guinness Zero. Oh, yes, for Siobhan. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, go grab a Guinness, grab a Guinness Zero, test them. You'll there, you can, there is a difference in taste, but not a big difference. Not a big difference, no. Yeah. So, yeah. awesome. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or X. Uh, download <laughs> or stream our episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Or you can just go to the episode page at PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com, and you can stream or download all our episodes there. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.